Joshua uh, chapter 11. There, if you guys want to turn in your Bibles and there in your notes. And um, last week we saw just, just kind of a miracle of miracles. As we saw in the previous chapter, the, the Gibeonites, you know what, pretending to be something that they weren't. Joshua and Israel not vetting it. They weren't to make a covenant with them. They made a covenant without inquiring of the Lord. And now they're stuck in this treaty. And we talk about the Gibeonites. And, and you know what? You've got to admire the fact that they're like, we want, we want peace. We don't want to die. And we saw the graciousness of God. You know what? That, that we come to Him as we are. And a lot of times we, we're just messed up and we don't understand everything. But when we come with the sincerity, I, I just know I need you, Lord. You know, God's so gracious and merciful. We also saw again that Joshua and Israel did need to discern. And we need to test all things because, uh, you know, kind of a, from that other angle, Satan comes as a, as, as a uh, wolf in sheep's clothing. And we talked a lot about that. But they entered into the covenant and the treaty. And then Joshua, you know, from there, though, the people complained against him, said we need to do things right. And so we've entered into this covenant, and so we're going to honor it. Uh, you know, they were at peace with the Gibeonites and they said, you're going to come and serve and you're going to work. And they're like, we're, we're fine. We just don't want to die. And you know, I, I think when it comes to the Lord, it's just like, I don't want to go to hell. I just want to be right with you. So anything else, Lord, you just, you know what, if, if there's rewards and so forth, that's awesome. But I just want to rejoice in being right with you. And they were in that place. And then we saw though, right after that, in the next chapter, chapter 10, the nation's uh, around Israel, many of the nations around them, it was headed up by the king of Jerusalem at that time. They saw the Gibeonites, who were greater than Ai, who who Israel defeated, had made peace, and they're like, "Oh boy, you know th- these guys are just mowing down cities and so forth. We all need to come together and attack them." And so they all gathered together. We'll see a similar scene tonight with the kings and nations that remain. But they gathered together to come against Joshua. And as we'll see again tonight, Joshua actually came out and brought the fight to them. They kind of set the place where it was as they surrounded the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites are like, hey, are you going to help us? And Joshua said, we're going to keep our word. You know what? It would have been easy for him to not to keep his word. They went out. They began to rout them. And it said, remember, the Lord killed more with hellstones than they did with the, store, with the, with the sword. And then the day was starting to get away from them. And he cried out to the Lord for the sun to stand still. And God heard that prayer. And God had the sun stand still, the moon stand still, and gave them time to rout all of those nations that came against them. That's in the Bible what is called a miracle. And we serve a God of miracles. And God has every right in the world because he is God to come in and, and to go against the laws of nature that he has set into place and so forth. And there's many a time that he does that. He did that when he resurrected from the grave. He's going to do that on his soon return as well. So we, we saw that play out. We saw those nations get routed. We saw God honor uh, Joshua's obedience and him keeping his word even when it was difficult. And it came, it ended up being for his gain. And we kind of made that practical application. A lot of times people give their word to something and they have the ability to keep it, but difficulty comes up and arises, and then they don't. That's never to our advantage. That's never to our gain. When we keep our word, and sometimes you get in a position where you, you, you literally can't, but when you do, and we saw verses in Psalm that tells us that pleases the Lord. God blesses that when our yes is yes and our no is no. And I'll tell you, that takes our witness a long way in you know what wanting to represent the lord and so forth and it's an act of faith so now we come here to chapter 11 and um we're going to see another scene of kings gathering together and we're just going to see this unfold and um just seeing joshua again being led by the lord trusting in the lord god going before them and it's really a great picture of spiritual warfare for us um i titled the message waging the long war because we're going to see victory by Joshua, you know, in this battle taking place. But there's a key verse here that it says, Joshua waged war, waged war with these kings 
for a long time. And I'm going to tell you, as followers of the Lord, we need to be a people that have a mindset that says, I'm going to wage the long war. That Jesus is my Lord, and I am going to walk with Him all my days. Come what may. Come what way. I'm not going to drift. I'm not going to waver. If I, got, if I get knocked down, I'm going to look to the Lord to pick me up. I'm going to wage the long war in prayer and praying for, you know what, my marriage and for my kids and for my church and ministry and my community and my nation. And I ain't going to stop till I go to be with the Lord. I'm going to walk in the ministry that he's called me to walk in. The, uh, until, until I'm released from that and introduced into something else, or I go to be with the Lord. I'm going to be someone in the Word every day. I'm going to be in fellowship. I'm going to walk in the things God has called me to walk in, not for a season, because a lot of people wage a short war. They wage a war of a few years or even five years or whatever, and then they start tapping out. We are called to wage the long war, because the devil, he's waging a war of attrition against us. And our mindset should be, I'm going to wage that right back. No, I'm going to wear you down in Jesus' name. We're going to break down powers and principalities and strongholds, and we're going to get scripture on this. That comes up when you wage the long war. And God blesses waging the long war. We, we need to have that mentality, especially here in the West, because we want everything now, right? You know, give it to us faster and so forth. You I ordered that from Amazon three, you know, two days ago, and, and it hasn't got here yet, you know, and it just, we want everything so fast and, and everything, right? It's kind of an instant gratification, and God meets us where we're at, but the mentality is I need to wage the long war, and I'm in it for the long haul, because that helps you when stuff comes up. No, again, there's no wavering. We're in it for the long haul. We're waging the long war. And so you're going to hear me repeat all that plus more when we get to that. But let's start here in verse 1. I read down to verse 5. <clears throat> and it came to pass when Jabin, king of Hazar, heard these things, the things we just talked about, that he sent to Jobab, king of Madon, and the king of Shimron, to the king of Achshap, and to the kings who were from the north in the mountains, in the plain of Shinnereth, in the lowland, and in the heights of Dor on the west, to the Canaanites in the east and in the west, to the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, in the mountains, and the Hivite below Hermon in the land of Misphah. So they went out, they and all their armies with them, as many people as the sand that is in the seashore in multitude. That's a lot of people. With very many horses and chariots. And let me tell you, those were equivalent to tanks and probably missiles and so forth. Helicopters and by today's standard. And when all these kings had met together, they came and camped together at the waters of Merom to fight against Israel. Now notice there in verse 1, and we've touched on this multiple times here in Joshua, and I'm going to touch on it again. And again, the app, most the application here for us is spiritual, spiritual warfare. In the Old Testament, we get a lot of practical and physical pictures that most of that application or a lot of that is in the spiritual. And we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We know at times the devil works through flesh and blood. And at times, again, we got to contend with flesh and blood and so forth and deal with people and stand in truth in that. But we got to remember there's always a demonic behind that. That the world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And just as these men, look at, they didn't know everything. They were limited in what they knew. They're not God. But they always watched and they were always listening. And we've seen that this whole time. We saw it even back in, in you know, at Exodus through Deuteronomy when Moses is leading the children of Israel for 40 years in that wilderness. They were being watched. Remember there in Numbers, the, the king of uh, Moab, Balak, he sees everything they're doing. So he, saw, he hires a witch named Balaam to go up and try to curse Israel because he's watching. And then he gets counsel on how to stumble them and so forth because the enemy is always watching. Uh, we saw them watching when, you know, they crossed the Jordan and headed into Jericho. Then we saw Ai, the people in there, saw Jericho go down. And then the kings we talked about recently that I mentioned already when the sun stood still, they were watching. And I'll tell you, the enemy of our soul, just like these men, he's limited. 
And you need to know that. Satan and his angels, these fallen angels, they are not God. And so don't ever in your mind start equating this spiritual warfare as a yin and yang and, you know, a good versus evil. And a lot of people do that. Uh, you know, they, they, they try to, in their mind, you know, and, and sometimes it comes just through, through, through other things that are presented. You know, some guy watches Star Wars too much or something like that. Whatever it is, or they get into some weird new age stuff, the yin and the yang again, all these things balance out the dark and the light. And that, that's nonsense when it comes. God is on the throne, and there is nothing that, you know, what even begins to be a, be a, be, you know, come against him or measure up against him. And God does know all things, there's nothing hidden from the Lord. God's everywhere. He's not in everything, but He is everywhere. Before we knew Him, He did not dwell in us. We were in our sin. Through faith in Christ, He came and, you know, it made His home in our hearts. And now we have a feeling of the Spirit of God, but He knows everything. The devil's limited. And you didn't know that. And, and you need to know that because, again, we're not ignorant to His devices. And you need to know that as well so that we don't get a mentality that... We view the devil and demons as we do God. They're fallen angels. But listen, one thing that they all are always doing is watching and trying to listen. They're watching and they're listening. And they're looking for an opportunity to come in and to pounce, to tempt, to try to discourage, to try to peddle lies, uh, so on and so forth. Um, interesting in Job. And boy, you get a lot of insight into spiritual warfare uh, in the book of Job, especially there in the first few chapters. Um, as, uh, you know, God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And basically the Lord allows Satan to come in and attack Job, but he's doing it for a purpose, for a reason, for Job's growth, for God to be glorified. We'll talk actually a little bit about that on Sunday because we're talking about uh, trials as Peter uh, speaks of them there in that letter to those that have been dispersed that we started a few weeks back. But notice here in Job 1.7, we see a conversation between God and Satan. And that's, that's pretty interesting here. And it says, the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. So in other words, he's not in a place where just just sitting here and I know everything going on everywhere. No, he has to walk to and fro. He has to go watch and listen. His angels go watch and listen. The Bible talks about familiar spirits that are familiar with you. They're familiar with your family. They're watching and listening. It also talks about powers and principalities over regions and areas. And they're watching and they're listening. And they're looking again for opportunity to try to come against the body of Christ, to try to stumble you, to try to keep people in darkness and so forth. As 1 Peter 5, 8, we look at this verse a lot. I think it's a huge verse, um, you know, in our, in our walk with the Lord. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, again, walks about like a roaring lion, doing what? Seeking whom he may devour. So he's watching, he's listening, he's looking for opportunity to pounce, and it says, resist him steadfast in the faith. Now listen, I think this is very biblical. I, I, I really believe we see in the word how, how close he gets and how much he, need, he gets to listen into and even watch and meddle is often dictated by the way we are living our lives. Now there's going to be some times like in the book of Job where the Lord says, I'm going to use the enemy to shape my son, to shape my daughter, to do a bidding, to even come in to... You know, it stirred things up because I know the end from the beginning and I'm going to use this to work a good work. I've seen that many times in my life. In my life. But listen, there's other times uh, in my life where I know the enemy uh, was, was lurking around because there were things in my life that were, were not in order. And I'll tell you, Scripture really tells us if we are submitted to God, the enemy is going to flee even in the midst of spiritual warfare and even those things, you know, that God allows. There's still a hedge of protection there in the midst of the battle and he is going to flee. But if we are slaves to sin, he's going to be all up into your business 
He can be lurking around. The Bible says in Ephesians, do not uh, let the sun go down on your anger nor sin, lest you give Satan a foothold. So it's one thing if he's watching and listening, but then living a life to allow them to get a foothold, that is on us. That's on us and how we are living our lives. Notice James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God. So this is a submission to God with, first of all, my soul and being saved, and then all the areas of my life. Because let's face it, sometimes there's things in our life that we are not submitted to God. We are not conduct, conducting ourselves in a godly manner or as God's word has prescribed, that area is not submitted to God. But notice what it says here, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. So how do I resist the devil? Number one, you need to submit to God. Because here's the thing, me and myself, outside of God, devil's going to eat me up. But when I submit to God and say, Lord, I need your help, and sometimes it's just, you know, you're like, man, this thing's got a, this thing's got a, a grip on me, and I... I'm, I'm wrestling with it. We'll bring the wrestling to God. And you're saying, Lord, I need your help. Absolutely, God honors that. That's part of submitting it to God. Amen. And sometimes you got to, there's certain things you got to submit over and over and over. You're like, I've been submitting this since I got saved 50 years ago. And I'll probably have to keep submitting it until I go to be with the Lord. Praise God. He's gracious to us. But there's other things we want to take and we're like, Okay, I'm going to serve God in this. I'm going to submit this to God. But this over here, I'm not submitting this to God. This is for me. I'm going to do this my own way over here. I need a little bit of fun and whatnot, even though those things, even though those things still kill and destroy. But we resist the devil. This is sandwiched between this. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. And if you want to, again, resist him and see him flee, you submit to God, and you draw near to God. The key is God. That is, you know what? Resist and will flee is bookend by God. Submitting to God, drawing near to God, God will go before you. But notice Ecclesiastes 10.8. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. There's a spiritual application there. God wants to put a hedge of protection around our lives. God puts borders. God has a prescribed manner of worship. God has a prescribed manner of us walking with Him that is prescribed in the Word of God. And when we want to break through that and say, but I'm going to do my own thing, let me tell you, the serpent's going to come through and he is going to get a strong hold in your life. And this is abounding right now in, 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 in Christianum in so many areas where people are going outside of scripture uh, and leaning on their own opinion, uh, introducing what is being peddled in the world. And let me tell you, the serpents are just coming in like a floodgate. Uh, this wasn't in my notes, but I, I feel led to share this. At some point, I may play the clip of it. This past, stand, uh, this past Sunday... There's a pastor named Andy Stanley. Uh, he's out of Atlanta, uh, Georgia, I believe. His father is Charles Stanley, who's been on the television for years. And Andy Stanley has been a false teacher, in my opinion, since day one. The difference now, though, with a lot of these guys is they really worked hard to have their sheep's clothing over, you know, their wolf things and everything. The, the sheep's clothing is just off now. Because this last Sunday... He chewed his church out because his church needs to learn from all the gay members in his church. Because here's the thing, the, the, the gay members in the church, they want to serve Jesus even though all the straight people are mean to him and so forth. And they love Jesus despite all of that. And they're the ones that volunteer for everything. And he kept saying, because they love Jesus so much. And if we were all like the gay members of our church, we'd have more workers then we even know what to do with. And then he says, and, and you know, and, and I know what the Bible says. I know, and he says, I know the clobber verses. In other words, the verses we clobber, you know, those that practice homosexuality with. I know Leviticus and Romans and 1 Corinthians. And I'm like, okay, look, keep naming them here. And, and we need to figure that all out. 
But in the meantime, we need to be more like our gay members. Dude, that's as satanic as you can get. First of all, God said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I don't care if that's homosexuality, fornication, adultery. You're just a swindler, a liar, whatever it is. You want to find your identity in that and walk in that. And then we're even going to label you and say, you know, all our members that are swindlers over here, we need to be more like them. Because no one likes a swindler, but they're still here serving Jesus. Can you imagine that? And if you're a filthy liar, why don't you stand up? Boy, you're a liar. And we talk about liars all the time. And yet you're here. We need to be more like you. This is not loving these people. This is not giving them hope. This is bringing a confirmation that people are going to ride into hell. Again, you're like, Steve, you're talking about again. Yeah, it just keeps coming up, guys. I'm telling you right now, it's the avenue that the serpent is just running roughshod into the church with and running people over. And you got pastors with massive platforms that are just teaching this. And again, the wolf's clothing, the, the sheep's clothing's off. I mean, this is so unscriptural even to say, well, I know those verses, but we're going to figure this out. That's Laodicea. That's like we got God's word, but our opinion's over here. And in fact, our opinion's of more value. It's insane. I, I like, that guy's made my jaw drop many times, like when he said we need to unhinge ourselves from the Old Testament. Like, we don't need that part of the Bible anymore. And then I thought, man, Charles, where are you? Because if that was my kid, I'd walk into that sanctuary while I was up there, bend him over my knee and paddle him in front of everybody. And yeah, then I had to go, okay, I got to repent of that. So. Anyhow, the enemy is hearing and watching. Do you hear what I say? People talk about spiritual warfare. I'm going to rebuke you, devil. Yeah, there, there's, there's a place for that. But if you're not submitted to God, you can rebuke all day and those serpents are coming in. Submit to God. Call out to the Lord. Ask for help. I need your help, Lord. If it's like, Lord, I got a homosexual struggle. I, I know I'm forgiven in Christ. I'm a, no, I know I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. Help me learn how to walk now in who I am and walk in the deliverance that you have provided. God's going to hear that prayer. God blesses that. We're, we're all in that boat here, really, in this room with, with one thing or another. So again, th- this is just a specific sin, though, that the enemy is using to try to destroy Christianum and to try to get pastors to cower from teaching the truth or even letting them grab onto that, thinking the popularity of messages like that will somehow, you know what, make their churches explode numerically. But let me tell you, all those things eventually will implode a, a, a church. It happens time and time again. I think the world calls it, you go woke, you go broke. And let me tell you, you, you don't want to feed the sheep. You're going to get false sheep, and those false sheep don't honor God. They don't have the ability to and so forth. And, and you're robbing those people. That's a long time on that first point here. Listen, you would think, though, after, after seeing everything they saw, they were watching. They, these guys saw the sun and the moon stand still. You think that they would repent or they would run. But I've said it many times, and I'll say it again. Sin makes you stupid. So instead of repenting or running, they said, let's gather up other dummies and go attack God and his people. Well, the gates of hell will not prevail against God's people. So they gather together, really, to unify under a spirit of Antichrist. Jabin, king of Hazor, leads this up. He gathers them together. It's very much like the tower, which would be called the Tower of Babel and the Plain of Shinar. We don't want you, God. We're going to gather together. We're going to build a tower to fight God. You see it going on in the world today. You know, this push for a one-world government and a one-world economy and a one-world Christless religion. And we know eventually, again, they'll gather together at Armageddon. And just like these guys, spoiler alert, they get cut down. That's going to happen at the end of the age as well. I'm not going to read it, but Psalms chapter 2 is just a phenomenal chapter that speaks to these things and is so current to what's going on in the world today, where it talks about the kings, you know, it gathered to take counsel together to throw off the counsel of God, but it says God laughs in heaven, and Christ is on the throne, and the Lord is coming back, and if they don't repent, they're going to get cut down. Now notice verse 6 here, 
Again, all of that, but notice verse 6. Notice the first three words, but the Lord. We come back to it all the time. Devil doing this, that, and the other, but the Lord. But the Lord said to Joshua, I'll tell you, when God speaks, those are the words of assurance. Do not be afraid of them, for tomorrow about this time I will deliver, notice, all of them slain before the Lord. And there is the sand of the seashore. And then he says, you shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. So the Lord said, and it's so important in all these things in life, we heed what the Lord is saying. Again, what I just shared, what I just illustrated in that church in Georgia, they're not heeding the Lord. They're like, what's the world saying? Oh, the world's saying that all this is good and acceptable and so forth. But the Lord's not saying that. Well, you know, we don't need to listen to that. We're going to listen right here. We're smarter than that. You know, I'm... I'm You know, these guys, they want to be God's PR man and whatnot. We need to hear what the Lord says and be yielded to that. And look what the Lord says. Don't be afraid. Fear me, not men. I'm going to go before you, and I'm going to deliver them before Israel. And I'll tell you, our God, is he your God tonight? Can you say amen to that? Our God always has a plan of deliverance for his people. At every single turn, no matter what the devil is cooking up, he has a plan of deliverance for his people. And let me tell you how this ends, this incident ends. You know what? It's how it ends for us. We prevail in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he says when, look at when when they're delivered and they're slain, this is interesting. You shall hamstring the horses and burn their chariots with fire. This is biblical. God had told Moses there in the law, Deuteronomy 17, 16, talking about kings that he knew eventually would be raised up. He says, but you shall not multiply horses for yourself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall you multiply wives for himself, lest his heart be turned away, nor shall he multiply silver and gold for himself. And sadly, Solomon would do all of those things, and it would turn his heart away from the Lord. Look at the Lord did not want them dependent on horses and chariots. You need to know back in that day, a chariot was a, was a, was a mighty weapon, especially when they had iron chariots and Imagine, you know, an army of foot soldiers going against an army of horses and chariots. They would just get mowed over and mowed down. And the Lord says, you shall hamstring them and burn their chariots. Why? Notice Psalm 27. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright the lord is our strength god goes before us the world will say why would you destroy such a weapon because i don't even want the temptation of it around because if we keep them around eventually we might put our trust in them versus just going you know what we are going to trust in the lord we're going to kick these temptations to the side i think there's a real practical application for this today I think there's a place for prepping, but be careful that you don't over-prep. That you're so dependent on, first of all, was one gun. Now it's a dresser of guns. Now it's a closet of guns. Now you have shipping containers of guns and ammunition. That's a lot of money being spent. That's a lot of money being sent to say, you know what, we need to keep everything safe around here. And an obsession, i got to study this and study it. I'm not saying there's not a place for prepping. I'm not saying that at all. Even David kept a few horses around in his victories. He didn't hamstring all of them. He kept a few chariots around within reason. Solomon went crazy with it, and it was to his demise You can get so prepped and so over-prepped here on earth that you're not prepping for heaven. And I run into some people and, and they profess the Lord. I have no reason to question that. And I think they have good intentions and all they want to talk about is prepping. And all they want to talk about is their stacks of this and stacks of that. And they have, 
years and years of food and ammunition and everything else. And the thing is, that can be taken from you in a second. Not saying there's not a place of moderation for it. So hear me fully. But are you going to spend your whole life prepping for the next year of your life for 10 years or maybe you live 50 years and we don't even know what tomorrow holds and you're obsessed with that and you're not prep you're not prepping for glory that's what they're they're like we're not going to over prep we're going to trust in the lord we're going to have our faith in him also you need to know in all that practically there is a hundred percent a place of self-defense in the scripture The Lord even told his disciples at one point to go and buy a sword. And then Peter's like, we got two of them. He's like, okay, that's enough. (laughs) There's a place for that, but the Bible also says if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. I'm going to live by the sword of the word of God, first and foremost. And have my trust and my faith in him. And that's what this was about. Verse 7, so Joshua and all the people of war with him came against them suddenly by the waters of of Miram and they attacked them and I love this the enemy's plotting he's strategizing God says to Joshua I'm going to deliver him Joshua did not wait for the the battle to come to him he said we're going after the enemy we're going after him don't be in a place where your prayer life doesn't get ramped up until there's a trial or a tribulation that thing needs to be hot and on fire every single day because we take the battle to the devil <clears throat> when we are on our knees <clears throat> excuse me and about the business of God day in and day out. Don't wait for the battle to come to you. You take it to the enemy crying out to God Almighty. Again, I've said it many times and many before me pointed out Ephesians chapter 6, the armor the armor of God all covers your front it's not supposed to cover the back because we're not to be retreating we're to be moving forward in him and then our offensive weapons are what the sword of the spirit and prayer joshua took the battle to them and then in verse eight and the lord excuse me the lord delivered them into the hand of israel who defeated them and chased them to greater sidon to the brook of mezrephoth and to the valley of Mesphah, eastward, they attacked them until they left none of them remaining. Again, God always has a plan of deliverance for his people, and God always delivers his people. He is the deliverer. He's the deliverer. Again, we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. He's not the, I'll forgive you, but keep living in your sinful identity, God. He is, he who the Son sets free is free indeed, God. So we need to know, again, who we are in Christ and take on that identity and through the power of the Holy Spirit begin to walk in who we are in Jesus Christ. That's who our God absolutely is. And then I love it here because Joshua went out and engaged the battle and it says they attacked them until none of them were remaining. This is so important, especially in prayer. I I say it often and I think it's so true. We don't pray about things. We need to pray through things. We're going to pray through it. And we want to pray in faith with an anticipation that God's hearing my prayer. Again, we're talking about prayers in Jesus' name, not naming and claiming $2 million or some nonsense, unless, you know what, maybe there's a need there and God's placed that on your heart. But we absolutely, you know what, stand in faith in our prayers with an expectation God's going to go before us. So notice verse 9, so Joshua did to them as the Lord had told them, and I love it. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots in fire, with fire. And it probably looked crazy to the carnal man. What in the world is this guy doing? Do you know how much investment went into those horses? These aren't just horses that they strapped up to a chariot. I guarantee you there were thousands and thousands. We got horse people here. Can you just put a horse on a chariot? There had to have been thousands and thousands of hours invested into these horses. All of the workmanship into these chariots and so forth. It probably looked absolutely insane. But boy, it must have just been put the biggest smile on God's face. Uh, an aroma before the Lord. That's my guy. 
That's my son. He's trusting in me. Wait till the next battle, how strong I showed my hand on his behalf. You need to know this, that, that tonight there's a lot of things God calls us to that's going to look crazy to the world. It really is. I think tithing is something that's crazy to the world. I'm going to trust in the Lord with my first phrase. What are you doing? There's so many better investments. No, I'm going to trust in the Lord because that's a picture, first and foremost. I don't trust in horses and chariots. I trust in the Lord. I believe what God's word says about these things. I'm a steward of these things. And I absolutely know from Genesis to Revelation, I can outgive God. I want to be a cheerful giver in it. I, again, well, I, I can't do, I would do that, but I got some guns to go buy instead. That's a picture of make sure you're prepping for glory. Don't, don't take those scriptures lightly. The Bible talks about it all. Jesus talked about it all the time. You'll have all the guns and ammunition you need. You put trust in the Lord if God wants you having those things. Verse 10. Joshua turned back at that time and took Hazar and struck its king with the sword. For Hazar was formerly the head of all those kingdoms. And they struck all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was none left breathing. Then he burned Hazar with fire. So all the cities of those kings and all their kings Joshua took and struck with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded. This is not politically correct. This is something that, again, uh, even carnal men will look at and go, well, shouldn't you just enslave them? You know, you, you could get a workforce out of this. We don't follow, you know, what politically correctness or carnal businessmen, we follow God's word. And God said, go in there and destroy every last one of them. Why? Because God was using Israel as an instrument of judgment. These people had walked in gross rebellion and sin for hundreds of years. And they come to the place where they were no longer ashamed of their sin, but they celebrated it. That's when judgment is coming. That's when you know judgment is in the air. Y'all better be praying for our country. The, 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 it, I'm going to show some restraint, but it is just insane. It is insane. Someone showed me something last night. It was some guy who says he's a woman. I'm thinking, if you're going to say you're a woman, at least try. I mean, this is just the ugliest looking dude ever. And, and I can't go into, I, I can't go into the uh, girls' restroom. And I feel safe in there. And I don't feel safe in the other restroom. Some 50-some-year-old man, dude, looks like he goes like 330 probably six foot one again all bearded and kind of you know and i don't feel safe i'm there's a 10 year old little girl in there and this insanity even gets a platform and so many people don't agree with it but they don't want to say anything because they they might get canceled see how this has been set up we gotta have mentality look at if you feel like you want to counsel me cancel me I don't want your approval in the first place. It's just, it's insane though. And this stuff celebrated and promoted. And again, it's been so set up to try to put, put the fear factor on people. They don't say anything. And now you got pastors of mega churches promoting this stuff. Oh man. Don't be any near, anywhere near those guys on judgment day. Cause I'm going to tell you the flame is coming down hard. The Bible talks about levels in, hells, in, in hell, believe it or not. And those that want to say they represent God and preach the false gospel, they're going to the bottom. They will incur a stricter judgment. There needs to be a fear in God in us. And if you're going to be in a pulpit, you better pray every day, Lord, put the fear of God on me, because it's easy to lose it. It's easy to lose it. So they, they honored God's word. They did what God had told Moses to write down they followed that sadly though in the long run they they, they would drift from that and, and eventually they they would there would be canaanites that 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 would make it through this and they would begin to mix with them and so forth and then finally god would bring a judgment on israel and i don't have the the text that where, where it exactly is but it's there where he says your sin is actually more gross 
than their sin. He says, you took all this to a whole new level. I can't even believe it. And we need to make sure, again, when it comes to these things that come against the Word of God, that we say, there's no place for it. I don't want it in my heart. I don't want it in my home. I don't want it before me. I want to be loving and compassionate for those that are out there that are even in bondage to these things. But I, don't, I do not budge on God's Word. I stand in it knowing that's where life and abundant life is found for me and that's where life and abundant life is found for them. Verse 13, But as for the cities that stood on their mounds, Israel burned none of them except Hazar only, which Joshua burned, and all the spoil of those cities and livestock the children of Israel took as booty for themselves. But they struck every man with the edge of the sword until they had destroyed them. And they left none breathing. As the Lord had commanded Moses his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua, and so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. That's huge. Now listen, why did it only burn down Hazor? Hazor had formerly been the head of all of these city-state nations. They had also started this whole thing. And in my opinion, and I know there's probably way more with this, uh, I, I, I I decided... Not to take three hours to study Hazor. So I, 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 there's always just so much more. You know, God's word's amazing like that. But I think this was done to send a message probably. You know, they headed this up. They're the big, you know, the, the big cheese, so to speak. They're the, you know, the, the big kahuna, whatever you want to call it. This is what happens if you want to go head something up. It's going to get burned to the ground. I think it also sends a message, if you want to reject the Lord, a flame awaits. This is serious stuff. Why weren't the other cities burnt down? Because God said, those cities are going to belong to you. I'm going to take what the enemy builds and the wicked builds, and I'm going to give it to you. Notice Deuteronomy 6.10. This is back when Moses and the children of Israel were there in the wilderness right up to Joshua, taking them into the promised land. The Lord says, so it, sh- so it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, a large, to, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, Then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from a house of bondage. And I marvel because I'll speak for myself. I deserve hell. I cannot earn heaven. In fact, the more I, if I tried to earn heaven, all I would do is accumulate more debt in trying to earn heaven. I do not deserve it. Jesus Christ laid down his life for me. He shed his blood and he defeated death. And he gave me something that I did not earn, nor did I deserve, called salvation. I have heaven waiting for me. And the Bible even says Jesus is preparing a mansion for me. And I, I, I you know what? I, I, I've not earned that. He daily loads me with benefits. This list goes on and on and on and on. He blesses his people abundantly. He supplies all our need according to his riches in glory. But notice verse 12, but beware, 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 lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt to the house of bondage. Look at it, and all the blessing God pours out on you, thank the Lord. Never forget that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights from above. Always keep it before you. Ask God, you know, to keep a watchful eye on your heart and keep a watchful eye on your heart yourself. And if you begin to drift, beware, beware, beware. Be a thankful person. Be a good steward of what you have. Give God all the praise and the glory and the honor. Because look at it, look around us here tonight. We're a blessed people. We're a blessed, blessed people. And I love it. It says, He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Let's make that our aim. Let's follow all of the word. Let, let's, let's walk in all of the truth before us in Scripture. Amen. Verse 16, Then Joshua took all this land 
the mountain country, all the south, all the land of Goshen, the lowland and the Jordan plain, the mountains of Israel and its lowlands, the mount of Halak to the ascent to, to the ascent of Seir, even as far as Baal Gad and the valley of Lebanon below Mount Hermon, it's pretty far north. He captured all their kings, struck them down and killed them. And then notice verse 18, Joshua made war for a long time with all those kings. Now it's interesting in Joshua 1 verse 3, God said to Joshua, Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give you as I said to Moses. This is that being fulfilled. Everywhere he walked out by faith, God honored and gave him that lamb. And then notice again, he made war with these kings for a long time. So it continued on. Because they had a call to eradicate the land of these Canaanites. And all the long, all the while Joshua was alive. Now later on, they'd start making treaties and interacting and so forth. But as for Joshua, he made war with them a long time. He made war with them all the days of his life. Again, we started on this. Take heed to this. Take it to heart. We are called to wage the long war. Not the short game. You know, our country oftentimes will go and invade Islamic nations. And they go about it all wrong. Because they go in there and they say, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna fight these people and we're going to convert them to thinking the way we think. That's never going to happen. These people are, are, from the time they are children, they are brainwashed that Americans, that Christians, that Jews, they are the infidel. And if I, if I kill them, I'll be rewarded by Allah. If I blow myself up, I'll get 70 virgins. And they say, we know this about these Westerners. They might come in here for five years. They might come in for 10. They might stay in for 20, but we're in it for the long war. We'll wear them down. Did we not see that recently in Afghanistan? We'll wear them down. We're in it for the long war. We, we got sticks and stones and so forth. We'll take this and we'll wear you down. You're not up for us. And it happens over and over and over again. Oh, you know, not America. You can't speak that. That's, those are facts. If they really want to overthrow those countries, what they would do is bring in thousands of missionaries to convert them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we're so messed up over here. This has become a, a, a satanic nation for the most part. That's how you convert someone. That's how you change a culture is from the heart out. But I illustrate that because that's how Satan works. And that's a satanic religion, 100%. All is a moon god. It, it, it goes back to Baal and everything. And, and it, it's just a brutal. In fact, there's, there's so many Muslims getting saved because they're just like this. They're so, there, are, there's a, there is a remnant of them just going, we want out of this. And God in His grace is... is some of the biggest revivals in the world are in those places. Again, how are they getting changed to the gospel? But Satan wars like that. He says, I will wage a war of attrition. I'm going nowhere and I will wear you down. I will wear you out. And we got to go, no, 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 no. I'm going to wear you out. I'm going to stand in Jesus Christ. I'm going to look to the Lord every day to strengthen me, and He will. I'm going to look to the Lord to undergird me, and He will. I'm going to pray to God, and absolutely notice 2 Corinthians 10.3. For, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Strongholds don't just come down, though, oftentimes. You've got to wage the long war. We're going to wage the long war. We need to have that mentality for our community here. We're going to wage the long war. We ain't going anywhere. We're going to preach Jesus week in and week out. Wage the long war. I feel like I've been waging a long war here for a long time. People go, how long have you been the pastor? I'm on my 25th year. What? How old are you? I'm a lot older than I look. That's really not that long, though. But I'm going to tell you, I've seen fruit in that. I've seen fruit in waging the long war, not only in, in us reaching people in our community, and I think God doing something special 
Because I see people who want to get in the Word and pray, and, and they're, they're wanting to live for God and give God the glory for that. But when you wage the long war, you give all this time for God to work on you. <laughs> and, and, and to teach you through trials and tribulations and stupid decisions, and God going, okay, we're going to the woodshed again. But it allows Him to begin to shape you and mold you. So ho- hopefully at some point you become a vessel of honor that, 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 that He can use. I don't know if I'm there yet. I want to get there. But I know this. I need to wage the long war. Too many people cut bait. Oh, it wasn't that fun, so we stopped. Look, it's not always fun. We need to wage the long war when it comes to praying for people. Praying for your kids. Maybe it's your parents. Whoever it is, our community. We got to wage the long war. You got to get that in your heart. You got to get that in your mind. It's the thing, I'm not going anywhere. Because you're in the war no matter what. You need to know that. You can either be a a prisoner of war or out going, I'm going to wage the long war. I'm in it for the long haul. I've purposed in my heart. I will follow Jesus, no turning back, as the song goes. Verse 19, there was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel except the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon, Gibeon, all others they took in the battle. Look, at if you don't take, make peace with the Lord, you're going to lose the battle. For it was the Lord who hardened their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might utterly destroy them, that they might receive no mercy, but that he might destroy them as the Lord had commanded Moses. This, 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 when you come to that in Scripture, the Lord hardened their hearts, that is always predicated on the Lord, them hardening their hearts first, and then God giving them over to a hardened heart. And these people have been hardening their heart for hundreds and hundreds of years. And again, it moved to the place where they celebrated sin. And then God gave them over to a, to a deprived mind. That's what's going on in our culture right now. That's why you're like, this is delusional. This is delusional. Don't, don't, you, don't you grow hard into that and go, well, you know, don't ever do that. Be appalled by it all of your days. Have compassion on these people, especially children. But if you are never not appalled by that, a big red flag should go up and go, what's going on? I'm being conditioned. Because it's, it's just delusional. But that's what happens. You keep hardening your heart. You keep hardening your heart. God will give you over to that. And it's the thing. You want to keep shunning the mercy of God. Eventually, you're going to run out and wrath is going to come. That, that's again what's going on right now. I don't have time to read it, but in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2, it talks about that God giving them over to strong delusions. They don't love the truth. Again, you're like, what? how did we get here? Hardening of heart, hardening of heart, hardening of heart. Finally, God says, I'm going to give you over to things that are just delusional. And it, every day there's something new where you're just like, what? It's insane. Notice 21. At that time, we got like five minutes. At that time, Joshua came out and cut off Anakim from the mountains, from Hebron, from Debrai, from Anab, from the mountains of Judah, from all the mountains of Israel. Joshua utterly destroyed them with their cities. None of the Anakim were left in the land of the children of Israel. They remained only in Gaza and Gath and Ashdod. Basically, what the saying is Joshua went out and killed giants. Because you read in Deuteronomy 9, 1 through 3, that these Anakim are giants. Not just big people, they're giants. We read in Genesis 6, you could read it if you're not familiar with this, that it says the sons of God, this is speaking of angels in Job, angels are described as the sons of God, Satan included, it's described as a son of God. They saw the daughters of men and they went down and they took them as wives and they procreated with them. Why in the world did they do that? Because God promised to the seed of the woman the Savior would come. And so Satan wanted to corrupt the seed so the Savior could not come. That's why God flooded the world and destroyed everything. You're like, couldn't there have been a revival? No, the genetics of man had gotten so perverted and Noah and his family were righteous, not only as believers, but they had a pure bloodline that you could trace back to Noah. And so God said, we're rebooting this. Well, after the flood, it began to happen again. And so this is even part of the reason why God said, when you go in there, wipe them all out. Because the opposed 
the gospel of Jesus Christ and the coming Messiah of the world. So they went in and they cut them all down. Except the few went to Gaza and Gath and guess where Goliath's from? He's from Gaza. And who cut him down? A little boy, a little boy who had faith in God. He's just a little boy with faith in God. Any of those soldiers could have went down and cut out, cut down Goliath, but a little boy who had faith went out and cut him down. Now, the Bible says, as in the days of Noah will be the days of the Son of Man. This is, again, a tampering of genetics and so forth. We've talked about this. The mark of the beast could very well be people's genetics being tampered with and them almost being kind of recreated in the image of the beast and it would give a good reason why God would say you take that you take that mark you're done there's no coming back from that and there's a lot of tampering of genetics today they they just the FDA just approved uh, a marketing clone of meat so they're cloning animals and they're saying you can butcher that animal and you can sell it in the market or to Burger King that's disgusting. The tampering with this stuff. Man always want you know, fallen man always wants to try to be God. And and, and and the Lord's patient, the Lord's kind, but eventually you cross the line. And when you cross that line, you go down. And it's gonna go down really soon. I could talk a lot more about that. I've talked a lot about in the times past, but we're gonna finish this out. There's some scriptures there for you. There's a lot there's a lot spoken on this. And I know there's some people, oh, that, that's not what happened. You're not reading your Bible then, or you're misinterpreting it because you're a little uncomfortable with it. Go read Jude and Second Peter because it talks about angels that interacted with strange flesh. And those angels that did that are bound up today at the river Euphrates and other places. They'll probably be let loose in the tribulation. And there's many that believe the soul or the, the, what that produced, the Goliaths and so forth, is actually where demons come from. Demon means devil man. You see fallen angels and demons, and for the most part, fallen angels aren't obsessed with possessing people. Demons are. It would make sense. Look, I'm not going to be emphatic about that or dogmatic, but the puzzle fits. I will be dogmatic about angels coming down to do it because it's biblical. It's scriptural. I, I, I am not here... To go, well, you know, that's a little weird, so let me be God's, as I said earlier, PR man. He don't need to be, be a PR man, and I want to be unashamed of the word from Genesis to Revelation. Finally there in 23, it says, So Joshua took the whole land according to all the Lord had said to Moses, and Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their visions by their tribes, and the land rested from war. We saw Sunday we have an inheritance that's guaranteed in heaven, kept by the power of God through faith in Him. Those verses are there. We'll come back to that Sunday. And notice this too. Then the land rested from war. There's going to be a time when we rest from war, but now is not the time. Now is the time we wage the good war, the spiritual war. But the day's coming. We're going to rest, and we're going to rest forever and ever and ever. If you look at your last page, it's Joshua chapter 12. We'll come back to this, Lord willing, next time. I'm not going to read it all right now because it's really just a record it's a record summing up things we've seen in, in the previous books and there in Joshua. It, it's a summary of all the kings that have gone down. And it goes back to Moses in verse 2 through verse 6. And believe it or not, David wasn't the first to slay a giant. Neither was Joshua. It was Moses. Moses and his army, they went out and... They slew a guy named Og. That's a perfect name for a giant, right? His bed's like 14 feet or something like that, I believe it says. Uh, or is that a guy in Judges? I might be off on that, so grant me grace in that. But look at verse 4. Then the other king was Og of Bashan and his territory, who was the remnant of the giants. And they went and wiped him out east of the Jordan. And then you see from 7 basically down to 24, the record of all of these kings. Uh, it says um, 31 of them in total that Joshua went and, sl and slew. And, and that's a lot of victories. 
And here's the thing tonight. We have our victory in Jesus Christ. And, and hopefully as, as we grow, and I'll tell you, when you wage the long war, though we don't puff up our chest in it, but we rejoice in the Lord, those victories just start stacking up. They start stacking up and you begin to learn to walk victorious. And that's where God wants us to be. So Heavenly Father, we praise you, we give you glory. Lord, these are just phenomenal chapters before us, God. Oh Lord, such richness. God, help us to be a people who wage the long war. Help us, God. Oh, Lord, again, we know the enemy wages a war of attrition, but you're a greater. Strengthen your people tonight. Shine your face on us tonight. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit tonight. Can we say amen to that? Lord, let this word that we've looked at build our faith and our trust and our confidence in you, Lord. And God, we do want to pray, Lord, for your gospel to spread rapidly, God, through this community here and this state and nation and our world. If here tonight, you don't know the Lord. Look, we've talked about judgment. We've talked about salvation. And in our sin, we're under judgment. We're under wrath. But Jesus Christ came to make the way of salvation. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross to pay the penalty of our sin, really to die in our place, so he could resurrect and defeat death and sin. That through faith in him as our Lord, we would receive forgiveness and have victory over the second death, hell. And have the assurance of eternal life in heaven with the Lord. If you haven't called on him, today's the day of salvation. And praise God, the word says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We thank you for that, Lord. What a blessed time here tonight. God, continue to bless our fellowship and the rest of our evening. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name. And we sit together. Amen.